This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast. We talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I am Aikido Fresno's head instructor, Christopher Hine, and with me today is Joshua T. assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And Maya Salome McDaniel, second review and student at Aikido of Fresno. So we put the word out last episode to have people write in, and someone did! Miraculously. Yeah. It happens uh, a lot. I shouldn't act like it's such a big surprise. But um, so someone wrote in and I thought that it was a really it was a really good comment um, about the last show and had an interesting question. And so we thought that we would uh, parlay it into this episode. But before that. Oh, before that. (laughs) We want to start off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, jumped in. I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, that's good. Otherwise, just if we get to the end, then we're going to forget because that's how we roll. Um, So uh, right at the top of the hour, we'd like to thank our uh, Patreon supporters and really everyone who's listening. Um, We appreciate your guys' continued listenership and support. Um, So uh, first off, we have John Smith, Rob Kitson. Urbano, Lenny Acuna, Jim Sullivan, Matt Riley, Warwick Dean, and Grant Templin. And these Thank are the, you guys. These are the people that make it possible for us to have all of our episodes up and available for you and uh, as much as possible have a nice sounding podcast. Also, thanks so much to Callie. We didn't get a chance to go to uh, Outback Steakhouse oh, yeah. this week, but we are planning on trying to make it next week. We have, we're, we have, uh, we have we're busy lives. We're busy yeah. people. We're starting to get into that. I, I'm sure everyone, our listeners are too. We're starting to get into that time where it's like there is extra stuff going on. You know, yeah. like Halloween parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New school yeah. starting, new schedules, right. you know, all the holiday stuff coming up. So yeah. it's a, it's beginning to get <laughs> difficult to manage. It's a lot to balance. <laughs> um, but so thank but you guys. We'll Honestly, thank you guys for supporting us through all of our sometimes lack of organization with different uh, things or right. mistakes or whatever. I was going like, to say, yeah, now, you know, whatever sound issues uh, we might have, they're uh, strictly uh, on us, you know. <laughs> we, we have the equipment now. So if there's something that's not good, it's one of our faults. So. And, not, and not Chris's because Chris like, edits. It's usually probably me and Josh right, right. leaning too close. That's what I was saying. Too close or too far, far from away. the microphone, so for that we apologize. Um, so now going it. back yeah. to um, the note that we got, do you have? Can you pull that up and yes, we can read it off? And, I can. I have it right here. And then we can just jump in. I thought it was a really interesting. Um, do you want me to read the whole thing or? Yeah. Okay. First of all, it, it, who who is it from? Um, Sam Sulian. I hope I'm I'm saying that right. S e u l e a n. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam, so much. Um. He said, I love the podcast. It's intellectually stimulating. Well, thank you. Um, invigorates my interest in martial arts and makes me feel like I am party to a fun conversation with cool friends. Wow, that's the cool. biggest compliment I've cool ever Cool friend gotten. with somebody's cool friend. Is there someone else who talks on this podcast too? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not any of us. Um, just listen to the most recent podcast where you mentioned role models and what got people into martial arts. I was interested in what your collective impression of what attributes Aikido role models have and how that compares with some of the other martial arts. Also, in what context? For example, balance, both physical and philosophical or social. And again, thanks for a great podcast. I will have to check you guys out in person if I'm ever in your neck of the woods. I don't know why I needed to read all of that, but but thank you so much, Sam. Really appreciate that. And um, we always enjoy these kind of messages. And this is to Sam and anyone else out there. You're always welcome to come by the dojo yeah, and train with us. For sure. If you're fun. stopping through Fresno at any point. Definitely uh, come Yosemite that. is close. 
Yeah. yeah. Just saying. Really true. If, you're, true. if you're going to see Yosemite, you're not far from us at all. So uh, I what I think is interesting about this, and I think there's two ways we can go about this. One is what he's asking is what he thinks, what attributes he thinks the current crop of Aikido instructors have. So I think that's one thing, and right. we can talk about that. Um, I personally think the the conversation it would should be, or, or what would make it interesting for me is what do we think the ideal, uh, role, Aikido uh, role yeah, what is. are the characteristics of you know that that would be best suited to someone, um, both as a role model in Aikido, but maybe also as a as a student or. As a person, as, as a, an icon, yeah. as a hero. <laughs> so we can start. We can start on either place, either of those, if we if we want. Um, so I think I don't know. Let's start with he said he did say balance, and I think that's a pretty good one to start with. Um, because I feel like uh, wait, is this what we our idealized version, or is this the actual uh, Aikido as it stands? Um. Also, are there role models in Aikido? Yeah, I mean, there definitely are at least two. I mean, two iconic ones. You know, when you yeah. said icon, I laughed. But, I mean, like, you know, Steven Seagal's pretty iconic, and Yuichi yeah. was pretty right, iconic. Right, right. Uh, so those are pretty iconic okay. people. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe we could just talk about those two people then. And, yeah. I mean, Steven Seagal's going to be a hard one, but let's power through it. Um, but maybe we could talk about those two people and sort of the the attributes that they have and then – we can maybe move I think, that into. I well, think yeah, if we're doing that, we, we should go a little deeper too, and hit like maybe like Satomi or uh, Mochizuki, or I mean, you know, there's a lot. We don't we don't have to, you know, all the Aikido teachers, the big teachers, are role models, um, and that's right. why yeah, yeah. absolutely people choose to follow them because like oh yeah, this guy must have it right because they seem awesome. Yeah. Well, I think first, <laughs> I think we had a student come in. I don't know if it was for self defense or something, and they looked. Uh, we had a picture. We have a picture, a couple pictures actually of uh, Ueshiba on the wall. And looked at it and said, uh, "Chris, is that your style icon?" Yeah. Because <laughs> if for any of you that haven't seen a picture of Chris, he's got a beard, not dissimilar to right. Ueshiba. None of this is purposeful. In that, <laughs> it's an accident. But as I get older, I tend to look more and more like the guy. <laughs> so he is a style icon. He is a style at icon, at least. Yeah. <laughs> but what else about him? <laughs> That's what the person said. It is what the yeah. I mean, icon. It, it's true it's though. Your style icon. I'd never heard that before. They said it. Even. Oh yeah. Oh my style, style icon. icon. <laughs> well, I, guess I think right. everyone has to have one, at least one style icon. That cracks me up every time I think about it. I pointed at the. Yeah, I was asking the kids once. You know, who's this guy? And one of the new kids is like, "Is that you?" And I was like, "Jesus, I hope I don't look that bad yet." Right. right. And no, it's He's not like, me. You are old. <laughs> That's great. They tell it like it is. So maybe we should we should start there though, and then we can kind of work through some other but other people. But I mean, I think you know you got to start with Yoshiba, like as iconic as he can be in, in the Aikido world, and and a, a super huge role model not only to us now, but also to the guys who created all the work that we're learning. So um, so what does that guy incorporate? I think one of the most important things, and we don't talk about it enough. I mean, we talk about it, but not we're not honest enough about it. We like magical stuff. Yeah. Aikido people like magical stuff. Yeah. That guy was a magician. You know, he's Mysterious. a wizard. You know? yeah. right, right. Mysterious. He's a doing, doing stuff. I mean, yeah. he's really 50-50. It's, it's hard to say, you know, whether he was a mystic guy who did martial arts or a martial artist who right, did some right, mystic right. stuff. You know, like, yeah. this guy's half and half. And, like, spent his life, like, doing prayers and chants and practicing different ceremonies. And, like, the guy was into that stuff, you know. So, mystical. 
And I think that's definitely something you see recurring repeatedly in role models in Aikido. Well, and he's like a, I think, um, how do I say this? He's a, his mystique and personality or whatever, you know, the, the thing, his iconicness has drawn a lot of people to Aikido. Even now, like, I feel like, you know, however many years later since he was alive, like, we still get students of all ages coming in. I heard about this guy, I, I you know. I, I read his book and, and I'm I'm just so interested now. I got to try this art that he was talking about, you know. And it's right. like that's cool that he drew people to Aikido and not the other way around in a lot right. of cases, which is that says something about his mystique or whatever right. you want to say. Right. Um, I think that's definitely you know that uh, it would be hard. You'd have to do some real research, and I've thought about getting on this research train before, but like. I think Yoshiba is kind of the icon for all of a modern idea of martial arts, which oh, is like uh -huh, this, uh -huh. like older man who's like really spiritual and can, you know, in charge of himself and can still throw big, strong, powerful the warrior people. Monk or the, whatever, right, the yeah, that kind of thing, you yeah. know. And I think really, like a lot of times when people say, "Oh, martial arts do this," it's like you are actually talking about Yoshiba. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, like. That's where that came from because if you look at a lot of the contemporaries, they didn't exactly have that same mix. Like, you know, you can look in, you know, historically and, you know, the sage is kind of yeah, an yeah. archetype we have. But mm -hmm. but specifically the way he kind of was is, is what we look at a lot for like an old, you know, martial arts teacher. Right. Well, and I mean, if you start thinking about it, are there do are there parallels to him in other martial arts? So, you know, you have like Bruce Lee, I guess, and you probably have the the the. Uh, the Gracies, um, are there parallels other places you know that that we could look at to say the the differences between? I don't understand exactly what you're saying. But like so, like if we look at like you know this is a good example. Like Bruce Lee is a very different kind of role model than Yoshi. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, mm -hmm. like yeah. it's different. Bruce Lee was like cocky and energetic and explosive and you know a bit of a smartass and mm -hmm. um. Not really mystical, even though, you know, some stuff he said was kind of mystical, but really mostly like, you know, like it was philosophically Practical. mystical, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and not mm -hmm. like magic, right, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a really different kind of role model. So, but I mean, if you look at Yoshiba, I mean, like Yoda is like, you know, I mean, like, you know, it's like a little old guy <laughs> yeah. who knows a lot of stuff and, you know, he, he must be a badass, um, but he, he's a little and frail looking at the same yeah. time, you know, like that's right. the kind of guy he is. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if Yoshiba was based on Yoda or ba well, Yoda was based on Yoshiba at all but like it's that kind of thing I think you know? culturally we see a lot of like people whether in villains or in heroes like we or in maybe not heroes but heroes teachers like that idea of someone who's um both like uh physically totally not domineering at all very like physically small or you know not imposing but very um, surprisingly strong mm -hmm. or surprisingly um, powerful. What's, in some what's way. the dude from Remo Williams? The, the movie oh, Remo yeah. Williams. Uh, I don't know. Chin, I think it's <laughs> no one probably here knows about Re like yeah. listening knows about Remo. Oh Williams. man, we got so many but listeners. Yeah, yeah. if all you like get a chance, find Remo Williams. Uh, the movie. The mo oh, There's a comic book. There's other. You can, whatever, and you'll understand that. That's also. He's like a mix. It feels like maybe because there's he has that cocky Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so what's your, uh, uh, so Yoshiba, you know? Yeah. So 
Um, also, Yoshiba is a kind of cool guy because he, uh, you know, he really was in the military. He went and tried to take over a country. Um, he has that credibility. He, you know, yeah. He's, you know, went and did a bunch of cool stuff. So that, I think that's definitely a, like, oh, you know, the history of things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so so that that's mixed into it. Also, he's very into his culture. You know, mm-hmm. Yoshiba is definitely into Japanese culture. And I think people who are trying to understand that culture more or get into the Japanese culture, um, uh, I think that's that's really, uh, you know, intriguing to us, you know. Um, you like to wear formal old school Japanese clothing and, you know, that kind of guy, like practice old ceremonies and stuff. I often think about, you know, when people, people do Aikido, especially people who do Aikido and go to Japan, are you trying to learn about a culture via a martial art or are you trying to learn about a martial art via yeah, a culture, cult, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and for me, I was always learning about uh, a martial art via yeah, a culture, right. you know? Uh-huh. Um, but but a lot of people, I think, when they get into it, it's like, oh, you know, I'm just as happy learning about, you know, udon or something. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm just happy about learning about this other stuff um, as I am learning Aikido. Right. Uh, so... And maybe you know this. So one of the things that I would say that that I feel like um, is important for uh, someone Aikido and maybe all martial arts for me specifically uh, is this idea of, of uh, experimentation and openness to the way that that things are, that the way the the art can be, um, as opposed to dogmatism or whatever. Um, what what about O Sensei in that regard? Did was he more I mean, from do you, <clears throat> no, I know exactly what you're saying. I'm trying to put it all together. So there's a bunch of stuff. First of all, I am not the greatest Yoshiba historian. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, and, and and I'm saying that like very seriously. There are some yeah. people who really spend a lot of time studying what that guy had to say about the world. Um, but the feeling I get was he was a guy who was like, you've got to be in the moment and do what's appropriate for the moment, and that doesn't have a dogmatic right, right. thing. And there's there's lots of little stories to back this up. You know, like him doing the same technique a million times over and saying like it's a different technique every time you know and uh this kind of thing of this like you know life is now it's present you know some mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle stuff right there for you but like some it is in the moment and and that's always changing you got to be open to that and, and be able to go with that you know right. whatever it is mm-hmm. and I think that's a very attractive thing to people I think that's something we do want in our martial arts teachers is you know there isn't necessarily a dogma there there's a right and wrong about the world but that you've got to be open to what that is when I think you were talking, maybe on another podcast, or maybe just in, in conversation with uh, about, you know, that that he always seemed to be doing weird other stuff. You know, right. he was always wrestling around with someone right. or trying right. to get people to do weird things with him. So it wasn't just like we're doing Aikido. It was right. like, yeah, we're I'm teaching Aikido. That's the thing. But uh, come come try to grab me this this right. way. Or, right, right. You know, I mean, there's stories about him petting the the bears when they lived in Hokkaido. You know, and like that's an interesting dude who like. We'll go pet bears. And I mean, you know, from the outside, you're like, oh, that's bullshit. But it's like, oh, no, we've seen people in, in life now who yeah, pet yeah, bears. I mean, yeah. there's a guy who filmed it and got eaten by a bear. Yoshiba got away from that. Good for him. But, like, um, you know, it's just an interesting task to take on. How can I go up to a live animal, a wild animal, and handle it or be with it? You know, what, 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 how do I have to bend so the animal will allow me to do that? And especially a bear that could kill you. You know, right. like doing that with a squirrel is impressive. <laughs> doing it with a bear is another animal, you know? So – this is a guy who was not just into one thing. He was about getting life. Yeah. And I think, like, um, that brings up a really good point, which is that constant experimentation breeds creativity, you know? Right. And um, I, I don't know. I was listening to NPR's Hidden Brain podcast, um, and they have different episodes on different topics about people and the way that they work and psychology and that kind of stuff. 
And it was talking about how there's a lot of research to back up the idea that the more time a person spends, um, if the person's a mu musician, for example, the more time a person can, ex can spend with different other kinds of musicians that don't play the same kind of music that they do. Um, or that are of different cultures, that are of these different experiences, like it breathes more creativity in that person, even in their own field, you know? Right. So if they're a classical composer playing, you know, African music with, with African people breeds classical creativity, right. you know? Even right. though you wouldn't think it would, like just having that different kind of input creates something Allows new Allows you to see new you. connections. Exactly. I can't remember, I remember reading this or listening to it. Oh, it's Hidden Brain, right? Is that what you say? That yeah, uh -huh. Hidden Brain. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, we might have been listening yeah. to it together. And yeah. uh, they were talking about, I wish I could remember the cool name, but because they were just basically talking about where the borders of two places meet, you get interesting, like uh, biologically, you get interesting creatures, right? So like where the, the forest meets the ocean or where the desert meets the mountains or something like that, right? Uh -huh. You get interesting uh, life there because they can kind of take advantage of both sides. So you get yeah. interesting biology there. And I think the same, they were drawing a, an analysis, that's the same with our brain. When you're just stuck in the field of being a classical musician, for example, you could only see classical right. music. Right. But when you, you know, also play some merengue on the side, you know, you do something different on the side, then that spices it up and it allows you to see new avenues, you know, and it right. makes you greater. Yeah. And it seems like UHO was the perfect Definitely. example of someone who was just like, I just want to see it and touch right. it all right. and do right. it and, and right. figure it out and, you know, have all these experiences. Right. And I mean, one thing, you know, like a lot of his life was in mystery, but one thing you can be certain about was he had a really magnetic personality because a lot of people wanted right. to hang right. out with him. Right. So he's a very interesting guy. And, you know, that all probably comes to like, he was probably super creative. Um, super um, uh, dedicated to what he was doing. He spent a lot of time doing crazy, intense stuff. Um, very knowledgeable about what he was into. Um, so he was that kind of guy. He was a neat guy to hang out with. And I think I think everyone's looking for that. So I think a big part of martial arts, when, when we find teachers and stuff, and teachers are definitely a role model for us, is we're finding someone who's got some characteristics that maybe we wish our parents had. Mm -hmm. You know, so like... When we wish we had. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why. Because, you right. know, like we see our parents as, you know, your original role model. Your parents are your original role model. And so then maybe as you get older, you see... Like, I see a lot of, lot of people uh, in their 20s looking for martial arts teachers, early 20s. Because I think, you know, they've seen through their parents' stuff. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, but I wish my parent was more like this or this or this. And then they're drawn to a martial art teacher who has those qualities. And they're like, okay, that's where I can get this from, you know, and uh -huh. you're, you're transpositioning it over there. Interesting. Yeah, I definitely feel like right now going through my 20s, I feel like that, you know, where I'm like, oh, I, I really love my parents. I think they're great. But there's all these other things that I, I, I haven't gotten from Sure, them. everybody yes. can only be That so only many. gets right. worse as you <laughs> – I think. But um, – Okay, so let's let's. Are there others uh, in in the Aikido sphere, the realm that we can uh, talk about and kind of break? Yeah, in? I mean, I think Stephen Skull's an interesting guy Steven. to look at for sure. You know, uh, yes. Steve Siegel. Steve, as Siegel. I like to call. Um, as I like to call. Okay, <laughs> I don't. okay, Josh. I've never uh -huh. heard you say that. Uh, anyways. Uh, and there's like a, a Merv Griffin episode where he says, let's get Steve, Steve Siegel, Siegel out right, here. Right. Yeah, it's, it's very it's beautiful. Yeah, that's um, true. Anyway, so uh, uh, yeah, Steven Skull. Steven Skull's a, a different kind of role model. Very I think different. Steven Seagal is a like, 
I'm not taking no bullshit kind of guy. Right. And the first thing I think of is like people see him and they're just like, oh, that is true strength. Right. You yeah, know, he's going average, throwing people down, right. using his mystical stuff. Like, um, still that same kind of thing because with Steven Seagal, you have a guy who like, especially at the time he was getting popular, you got a guy who had gone to Asia and right. studied these secret techniques. You know, so there was this mysticism. The devil right. came. Yeah. He speaks Japanese. And that was, right. you know, I remember on the on the very Mervin Griffin episode, it's like kind of his introduction. Um, to the general populace, like he's speaking Japanese to Matsuoka, you know, and I think that really got the feeling that's like, oh, look at this guy, right. he's, yeah. he's learned another language, you know, like he's, you know, like, oh, that's amazing. He knows the yeah. secret. Right, and this is pre-Duolingo, so how the heck did he want to learn a language, you know? <laughs> Anyways, but, um, so he still had some of that mysticism and interesting thing about him, but definitely, like, when you look at his Aikido, it's just this powerful me, like, entering, slamming people down, and he's an imposing figure, you know, he's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, like, really tall guy and so you know there's that i'm not taking any bullshit and then if you look at him you know he also does firearm stuff right. and other stuff so like there's there's definitely um a, he's a different kind of role model mm -hmm. and a lot of times when i ask people about aikido i can tell a lot if they're like you know steven skulls rated up there's their their big influences i'm like oh okay i got an idea of what kind of aikido you're looking for you know uh -huh. interesting yeah and that that seemed very different not in the mysticism way, it still seems similar sure. to Ueshiba, but very different in the way that they come off and the kind of people that they maybe attract to the art. Right. I mean, I really think, you know, if you – because, I mean, I definitely am more of a Ueshiba guy and always have been. You know, not that I had anything against Steven Seagal, but it's just not, not as much my type of thing, you know. And uh, to me, I always needed to calm my ass down. You know, like, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, always yeah. what I needed. And so, like, a guy who's like this sage mystic who, like, maybe had some checkered past, but he's figured it out and he's cool now, you right. know? like Which can totally keep his cool right. all the time. And that's like, man, that's what I would like to be more like. Um, and then I think the Steven Seagal thing is more like, maybe I need a little more. Right. You know, Strength. I need to be tougher. Yeah. I need to be, yeah. you know. And so that's probably you're more drawn to that side, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Definitely the Ura and Amote. Yeah, for right. sure. Well, that's kind of what I was going to say at the beginning is I feel like, somewhat like a, an Aikido uh, role model or an icon or whatever you want to say like I feel like having that balance being able to do both to me is and would be an example of someone who's got it down in terms of being a good role model is being able to be a mote when they need to be and be uh, when they need to be as well and, right. and be able to tell the difference when, right, when right, right. the right thing for the right time I feel like that's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of someone that's a role model this for that does Steven Seagal seem to have that same sort of uh, uh, experimentation, that sort of like playfulness with with things that you know? So to me, like if you want to look at Steven Seagal as a, a role model, you you really are going to watch his movies. Because so look, there is him as a teacher, right, as an right. Aikido teacher, but really all that stuff's kind of tied up together. You know, right, he right. picked movie roles where he was projecting that same kind yeah, of thing yeah. and so like um he is clearly showing a guy who could humble himself to learn something greater than himself right so yeah. you know like so like he learned about another culture he went to another land and like humbled himself you know like when you do that you inherently have to be the asshole that everyone kicks around for a while i mean that you're choosing to do that and so like yeah he definitely presents that but i don't feel like watching his stuff that he really presents a guy who's like real 
open to the world, but just more like I've got it figured out and I'm going to go the right way. Right. You know, um, and that's different than like someone saying, you know, like, you know, there's a quote from Yoshiba and they said, you know, oh, sensei, how come you, you never fall down? And he's like, I fall all the time. I just catch myself before you can see it. You know, and that's a different kind of guy who's saying like, I don't have right. it all figured right. out. I fuck up. Right. Yeah. I just am good right. at fixing my fuck ups before you know they happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the Steven Seagal appears to be, and you know, I've never met him, so I don't know of him, but uh, the type of person who's like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I do it right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, depending on what you want in your life, you might be more drawn to one or the other, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's an interesting thing to think about, and I think this is kind of like alluded to in that question, which is like, what kind of role model do you want in your life, and are you likely to find that in Aikido or not? Right. I think, know? yeah. That was another part of the question that he had that I think is is interesting, uh, like the, the uh, inner, like the play between Aikido and other martial arts in terms of role models. Right. Yeah. And, and the types of role models you're most likely to get. And it's funny too, to me, like, uh, this is just for me and my Aikido. Um, but like for me, what I see in Aikido, um, Steven Seagal is, is like a, a, a kind of a fluke. Now that's a weird thing to say because there's really only two mega iconic people in Aikido, I would say personally. I mean, you know, you could say like, oh, Christian Tissier is really iconic. But only in the Aikido community. Right, right. No one else knows about him, you know? Whereas Yoshiba is the kind of guy who a lot of people don't know his name, especially since it's complicated right. to Westerners. But, like, um, they've heard the they, story. They, they've they seen know, a little right, old right. guy, or they, you know, I yeah. don't know how many people have said, like, hey, you know, have you ever seen that little old guy with the stick and they try and push him around, but they can't push him around? I'm like, yeah, that's the founder of Aikido, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. those guys are iconic outside of Aikido. So, inside of Aikido, you know, we could talk about Satomi or Saito Sensei or Shiota or, you know, there's all kinds of guys we could talk about and, and, and different, but, like, if you look at Aikido, there's probably two, and and I mean, you know, an Ur and a Multi, but to me, Steven Seagal is a more common representative for other styles of martial arts. So it's funny. I was going to say he is very much like American. Yeah, like he's very, very American, American. Yeah. comparatively, you know, That's I mean, sure. and uh, obviously also. But, you know, if you think about his movies, he um, is portraying the, the martial arts style in a very American way, which right. is like – Come at me, bro. And then right. yeah. you're on the ground, and he's like, yeah. Right. Which, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think you're correct. So, And that's what a lot of other martial arts sort of uh, have and, and portray. Well, so what would we Except say? for karate, because Mr. Miyagi <laughs> is having you wax and on, wax see, off. Okay, and I would say in karate, to me – Mr. Miyagi is more of the fluky kind of icon in karate. Because right, right. to me, karate Mr. Miyagi guys are like, would be, think of like, sorry, go ahead, more modeled after Ueshiba than right, probably uh, a real right, karate Right, right, right. And, and to me, when I think of uh, karate, I think of like uh, Masuyama or Funakoshi or someone who like, you know, is like, oh, this guy broke a bull's head out with his crutch. Yeah, out or, you know, like, train or whatever. Just like, you know, yeah. Hardcore. Yeah, like a hardcore karate guy and I'm tough and I just do it and I get it done. And that's to me what a typical, a more common karate icon's like. Whereas like Mr. Miyagi's like, oh, he's, you know, he's a little fluky for karate. Right, right. He's like, he is more like, I'll figure out the right way, you know, blends with the world. Mr. Miyagi makes mistakes. Sometimes he drinks too much sake and sings <laughs> right, songs right, in his right, house right. at night. You know, like there's definitely things about Mr. Miyagi that are like, oh, well, not perfect. Not necessarily looking for a fight, right. looking for the peaceful way. Right, right, like, right, right. Yeah. And that's me. And so like, you know, if you look at those, I think that's probably a really good example. 
Uh, Steven Seagal, to me, his way is a little more like you would see a common, more common karate icon, whereas Mr. Miyagi is a little more like you would, I would think of Aikido as yeah. being, you know, and, and that's just me. And like I said, it, it's weird for me to say that because honestly, in the public view, especially here, more people know Steven Seagal's name than Yoshi's sure, sure. name even, yeah. you know, so. So, so then what would we say our ideal uh, attributes of a Aikido role model are? Like what, what kind of things would we create this person to be or we would hope that someone so would have? So for me, I mean, and I think I said it already, was that uh, that idea of the experimentation or that mm -hmm. idea of being – of not being like locked into uh, – being open to discovering what the thing yeah. is that we're doing um, is like would be high up, you know, and yeah. realizing that like, yeah, we're learning – it's a learning process to the end. I think paired with that, too, this is something that, Chris, you've said before. Um, I don't know if you've said it on the podcast or not, but um, the idea of not assuming that you know the answer to everything or that you're you know, going to have every question or problem figured Humility. out beforehand. No, 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 um, but more like um, having, like, trusting yourself enough. Yeah, of. being adaptive enough mm. to trust yourself to go – Whatever I, I might get into some shit right now, but whatever happens, I know that I'll be able to handle the problem when it arises. Right. Not necessarily that you're looking for a problem, but should a problem come, I will handle it. Right. In whatever way it needs to be handled. I think that's like the the essence of what ukimi is about: receiving force. And um, I think like mastery of ukimi means that you can just go, look, I'm going to go with this 100, percent and if I fall, I'll roll and be okay, you know, or. Yeah. Or if I have enough force to manage that, I can manage it. You know, like that's the idea of mastery of ukimi, and I think that's a key concept in aikido, which is I just want to train myself so however it unfolds, you know, I'm not going to make it unfold the way I want it to necessarily, but however it unfolds, I can fit it. Yeah, and I like I mean, that's something that I've been thinking about in my life right now. Is I, that I, that's something I would want to guide me is the ability to trust myself enough to go, no, I can handle this. I don't need to be afraid to get into a situation. You know whether that's public speaking or whatever, right, right, and know right, that right. I'll be able to handle it and trust myself enough to not freak out or worry about it. You know, right. and go like, I got this. It's gonna be okay. Right. I think that's uh, something I would want to see in this team. And that's a great man. Just this is kind of a side note, but that's a great uh, way to look at life, which is like, whatever happens, um, you're going to be okay. Like you will be okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and and just being able to go there with it right and the opposite side and of that i think you know is like that if i don't force the situation to be exactly this way it won't be okay right you right. know and yeah. i think a lot of us head it you know i unfortunately still head at problems that way sometimes where i'm like if i can't push it to be like this it's gonna suck right you know yeah and thank god i've spent a lot of my life learning the other stuff so when it doesn't i go oh no time to be adaptable chris right. like it right. didn't yeah. all fall apart right. let's just make it work and i don't think it's necessarily even like optimistic or pessimistic like it's neither. I feel like uh, approaching anything, a problem, or, or just life, like, you don't have to, you know, set the bar so low because everything will probably suck, and then if it's great, then, you know, you're pleasantly surprised, but also not be so optimistic to not realize that problems may arise, but just being, whatever happens, it's, I'm going to be okay. I trust myself to, you know, still be me when I'm done with right. this, you know? Right, 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 and, right. And, you know, it's good to, to walk that middle line. I think I think exactly what you just hit on right now is that, uh, 
in you know early adulthood it's an important thing to figure out which is am i still gonna be me if i mm -hmm. and you know it's yeah. like from from josh and i generation like there was definitely a thing about selling out you know and that was a bad thing to be a don't sell out, out. you know like oh don't sell out bro yeah. and that meant you know but like yeah you yeah well that poser's the Posers other side of that yeah. right yeah. so like a sellout is like someone who gave themselves up to get something else Right. A poser is just someone who's pretending to be something they're not, you yeah. know? But okay. the same yeah. kind of things where it's like, will I still be me after doing this? And I think that idea of like with Kimmy, that idea of being okay wherever you are is a big part of that is I will still be me and mm -hmm. it will still be okay. Yeah. Um, what about the sort of mystic side of think? Would we put that into – our ideal, our ideal. because I know like just from the three of us sitting around and talking about stuff that's not really high up like we all like it I think and find something attractive in it um, but I don't feel like maybe we are necessarily that yeah it it's weird to me I, I spent so uh, we just got back from the magic castle went to magic castle in Hollywood magic. and uh, and watch some some magicians perform and stuff. And uh, I've been doing magic since I was a kid. And so I was kind of thinking about it, looking at these magicians. And this quote, I don't remember where it's from, but it's like, you know, everything's magic except to the magician. Um, and that's, you know, like it's awe-inspiring and awesome until you know how it works. And then once you know how it works, it's not as awe-inspiring and awesome, you know. And so um, to me, I was definitely super interested in that mystical side when I first started Aikido. But... I wanted to be the magician. And right, so right, you, right, becoming right. the magician means I had to start letting go of that stuff. Like I had to start I had to start realizing that like in order for me to understand how it works, I now have to understand how it works and it won't have that kind of mystic right. play on my life anymore. Right. You know? Right. And so I really value mystics. I like mystics. I think they're awesome. I want to talk to them. I want to listen to them. But the unfortunate side of that is if you want to be the magician, if you want to have that ability. You, you're going to have to accept that you no longer can be mystified by it, you right. know? And so that's a big push for me. Like, Well, and to me, I think, like, there's a, a way to ride that mysticism line. Like, if you're the person passing on the information, like, that you – if people think that you're mystical or if you even want to seem a little mystical at first to new people um, or in demonstrations or whatever, that, like, that's cool, you know? That's part of it. Um, but people coming to you to ask you to impart upon them – the magic you know like if we're using the magician metaphor here like at some point you got to take the person and say like hey well, here are the actual tricks you're doing you know right. at some point right. you got to like give them the actual information you know and i feel right. like it bothers me when people string other people along and want to be continue to be like mystical when it's like okay this person's been your student for a long time like you need to give them actual information so that they can be their own magician you know right. and, and they know that the secrets and maybe it's no longer magical to, to them in the same way that it was because now they're doing the same sleight of hand tricks or whatever the case you know in in aikido they're doing the same techniques that you right. are but they should know those techniques now yes. you know what i mean yes and so i feel like it's like the mysticism's okay as long as it's not carried on to the point of not being able if it's getting in the way of passing on the actual right information of the art you know it's it's, it's interesting you know i i just saw a, a medium she was uh she did a cold reading on this lady and and she made the lady cry uh, and the lady was like really touched you know and then afterwards uh she was saying she's like you know i use a series of techniques to do that you know it's not there's not really a, a magical power like your mind's pulling it out and the, and the chick said well will you tell me how you did it and she said 
I'll totally tell you how I did it, but you've got to understand that then that will never be mystical to you yeah, again. Yeah. You know, and I was like, that's real talk. Like what you, you know, and everyone's answer is always all, yeah, I do want to know. Right. But the you truth is a lot of times you don't, you don't want, want to know. Right, right, you don't right. want to know because it's going to ruin a neat, exciting part of your life. And that is the magic is that like surprise and awe. And so, so to me, it's like, I am, I am, I think my students want to come to get these skills. So I'm going to give them these skills and me mystic making it mystical means they can't learn those skills. So I can't afford as a teacher who's trying to be honest right, to, to do, do that. that. At the same time, I like mystics. I think they're cool, you know, yeah. like. So to me, a, like a role model would be someone whose Aikido maybe does look like they have awesome skill and maybe it is mystical to people who don't understand how Aikido works. But if you were to come up to them and ask them to teach you or to show you something or to explain something to you, that they'd be open to doing that. Right, and that right. seems very ad admirable to me. Right. It's funny. Uh, there's a story from Tim Carmel I love. It's one of my favorite stories because this story to me personifies what's going on with all the mystical stuff. He, uh, he was visiting China. So he, was, he lived there for 12 years. Or he's in Taiwan. He lived there for 12 years. And then he came back to the United States and did a bunch of mixed martial arts and stuff. And he was visiting. Um, so his wife's from there, so he's visiting. And uh, he was in a local, like, uh, public gym. And he was just going through some forms and stuff. And he said these two kids came in. And this was in the very late 90s. And these two kids came in, and they were um, – they had some gear, you know, like they had some, uh, some shin guards and stuff. And he was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, when I was living here, no one even knew about that stuff. So he went over and was asking the kids about it, you know, like just, he just wanted to know. He's like, oh, where do you study, blah, 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 blah. And he said one of the kids kind of had an attitude. And he was like, hey, you want to spar? You want to see what this is about? I saw you doing all that old kung fu. You want to see what this stuff's about? And uh, Tim's like, oh, no, no, you know, but the guy kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And Tim's like, okay, I'll spar with you. So if you know Tim, Tim is a really good sport martial artist. He's done a bunch of mixed martial arts. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, really skilled, good guy, you know. Um, he said that, you know, these kids were wanting to spar with them, and he was just taking them apart. Like, they kept taking turns, and Tim was just, you know, dismantling them, throwing them. Now, look, that doesn't sound amazing to me at all because I've seen Tim do that right. with a million people. <laughs> right. If you, you know, if you, um, as a, 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 you know, guy who's wrestled for two months in high school, uh, wrestled with NC2A wrestler, he would throw right, you right. all day and pin you all right, day because right. he's much more skilled than you. There's nothing mystical. Right. That's just, you know. And so he said he's just, you know, taking these kids apart. And he said he's not thinking of anything of it because, like, this is what he does all the right, time. Right. He's a professional and, martial right. arts teacher. Well, and they asked him to spar, you know. Right. And so he's just like, cool. He's just having a good time with them, you know. And he said at one point, one of the kids took off and he got on the phone. He, got, he had to have, use a paper. <laughs> got on the phone and he hears him in Chinese saying, like, We've stumbled upon a master. Everyone needs to come down here and learn from this master. And he's trying to get all of his friends to come to this gym and, and, and meet this mystic guy who's come from, you know, and it's funny when Tim tells the story, it's like, I see how if you didn't know what he was right. doing, it seems mystical to Some you. Some random white dude right. shows yeah. up at Pops up in a gym thing. doing old kung fu right. forms. Right. And, and, and now he's he just beating your ass, you, you know? Right. And so, like, there's all kinds of weird stuff in their head. But, like, <laughs> until you understand what's going on, that seems mystical right, to you, and right. that's that's the way all this is. Is like if if you're studying Aikido and you really want to have the abilities, you're going to have to consign yourself to looking behind the curtains, right? It's like the Wizard right. of Oz thing, right? Yeah. The other side of that is, look, I don't want to look behind the curtain. Th then don't be mad that you don't have mystical powers. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Quite honestly, look, you want to show up to class, you want to be entertained, you want to do some ceremony, and you feel like that it fulfills your life, and you want to watch a teacher who's awesome do some awesome moves. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But don't be pissed if you don't have it because you've got to look behind the curtain and learn how right. to do those things, you know? Right. And it no longer, by definition, is mystical if you're looking it won't behind be. the curtain. It won't be. It will be boring, regular work to you, right? right? <laughs> it will require showing then, up every day right. and right. getting in shape well, and, and all that you, boring stuff. So even that, you know, I think a lot of times when you tell people that, they're like, okay, I'm in for that. But understand that when you get the skill, it will never look like magic to you. Right, right. You will never see it as magic right. again. It will never feel never. like magic. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so so you can't expect that you're ever going to see yourself do magic. You're not. Because when you learn how to do the magic, it's no longer magic. That's the trick. Right? right? So it's just regular old stuff. You're just going to do regular stuff. And so, like, it's just as boring as taking out the trash or anything else. Right? You know, same right. kind of stuff. So that's what you have to accept. And I think a lot of Aikido people – their unconscious mind won't let them do that right. because they don't want it to be not neat to them anymore. And I right, get it. Right. Yeah. Well, I think like, I don't know, to me, my ideal role model person would still have that understanding that I understand it's no longer mystical and magical to me anymore, but I still have a passion and a joy sure, for Aikido. Sure. And you know the passion I mean? can always stay there and the joy yes. always can stay there. Yes. And to me, I feel like I want to, if I was going to look up to someone, I would want to see that, you know, after however many years, they still love it they still right, love right. it love joy, it you know yeah. um that's you know that's what people want to see yeah yeah you would hate to come and just see a guy who like you can tell doesn't want to be there right going on to your forms uh, roll better like right, right yeah right exactly Awesome. Okay. Well, we're at forty minutes. So Whoa, hit, we did it, this guy. We did it. I think that was a uh, really, and hopefully this is uh, we hit on some things that the like. Hopefully we answered the questions that he had. Uh, yeah, I don't way. know if maybe we were we were if specific not, enough. Eh. I don't know. Let us know, Sam, if if yeah, we were right. if you wanted something a little more like you know he's able to do these five things right, and right. role model should be able to do this. He can levitate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I want. Some Talks guy. to the chicks, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hot car. Hot nice car. leather jacket. That's right. right. <laughs> Pair of sweet sunglasses. Good sweet hair. Sweet sunglasses are important. Yeah, good hair right. is good. That, that, I had to let that one that go. <laughs> good hair, good hair, and or beard. I feel like you can oh, have oh, yeah, beard. Yeah, yeah, beard. yeah, good beard. That's important. Beard. Good beard. Good beard. <laughs> All right. So we already thanked our patrons, so we could just be done. Yeah, we could just be done. <laughs> we could Thank just one hundred percent be yeah, done. Thanks, guys. And if you have any suggestions, I'm not kidding for uh, for things for us to talk about, we would love to hear them because sometimes yeah. it's hard for. And we honestly always think we're saying the exact same thing. Like I said the other day, hey, we can no longer say. Um, oh, we've done that episode because really we're always we're always trying to hash through the same stuff. Right. So any different slant you can give us to work on it, we would like yeah. we'd like to have that. Slant. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks.